Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. Now, something slightly different to start this episode. I'd like to start with an apology to Cole, our editor, but also to you, the listeners. Our frequent listeners of the podcast will know that our preview episodes, which used to be a weekly occurrence this season, have now become a rarity through no one's fault but my own. I have, shall we say, been experiencing uni student life in Manchester to the maximum, but hopefully as we go into 2024, they will steadily make a more frequent return. Talking about returns, our old friend is back for a second season on the trot. He'll be demanding to be added to the payroll soon. I'm sure no doubt a Manchester night out connoisseur himself, Amos Murphy, joins me today. How are you, mate? I'm absolutely fine. It's been a long time since I experienced the Manchester Uni lifestyle. So I'm glad to see somebody else is um, taking my place and keeping it going. Yeah, great city, wonderful place and glad to be back. Yeah, good. Well, last time it was actually a weird one. We didn't really talk about much football last season, if you can remember. The breaking news had just dropped about City's 116 breaches and the Premier League investigation. So hopefully we can actually get on with some football talk this time, which should be nice for you, I imagine. Yeah, it's been, uh, well, plenty has happened since uh, you and I last convened. Obviously, the charges dropped. City went on to win a, a couple of trophies. Aston Villa went on to qualify for Europe. So I think um, I think we were both uh, rather pleased with the way the season panned out in the end. Obviously, the shadow of the charges is still hanging over City. But yeah, it's been um, it's been quite, quite a few months, it has to be said. Yeah, what was that? Two minutes it took you to mention your trouble? <laughs> hey, and it'll be worry. plenty more as well. Plenty <laughs> more. Right, so in my notes here, somehow I've got third versus fourth, which which doesn't quite seem believable from a from a Villa fan perspective. Both played 14 games, Villa sitting a point behind City, ready to welcome them to Villa Park on Wednesday. What are you expecting from the game? Um, chaos, to put it lightly. Um, I think if anybody's watched City's last, what, three fixtures, either side of the international break, uh, Premier League fixtures at least, I don't know, even including the Champions League game against Leipzig, so going back to the last four games, um, City have conceded goals and, and lots of them. I think it's 10 goals conceded from City's last four matches, obviously having scored something like 12, I think in that time, four against Chelsea, one against uh, Liverpool, a couple against Leipzig and obviously Spurs at the weekend as well so it's been it's been um, an interesting few weeks it has to be said from a city point of view it hasn't necessarily been a um, a calm couple of weeks we've uh, we've been delving few uh, delving through a few issues it has to be said so yeah um chaotic match i'm expecting i'm expecting some more goals i'm expecting an open affair and i think that'll probably suit villa just as much as it might suit city yeah i mean villa not shy on the goals record either at the moment but again a bit like city can't can't really seem to keep it out the back of their net now a lot of a lot of suspensions a lot of people missing for city on wednesday so far down here correct me if i'm wrong i've got rodri suspended kevin de bruyne obviously still yet to make a return this season doku looked like he picked up an injury against spurs and 
Obviously, the one that Villa fans were most focused on, Jack Grealish, will now not be able to play against his former club. How on earth does Pep go about that? Those are obviously humongous misses. You know, any team with those four players out would, would be significantly worse off. So how does Pep go about that? Um, well, you tell me, Steph, you tell me, because it has been um, quite the conundrum, it has to be said, since full time, well, sort of since during the game against uh, Tottenham, when we found out that obviously Rodri would be suspended with a yellow card, uh, picking up a yellow card, Jack Grealish as well, Doku going off, Grealish coming on to replace Doku, who had gone off for injury. So there's a double whammy, both left wingers out injured. And yeah, it's it's um, it's um it's frustrating. Um, I, I mean... This this will be music to Villa fans' ears, but I love Jack Grealish. I think he's wonderful. I think he gets far too much slack. He's a, a fantastic, intelligent, creative player, despite the goals and assists maybe not adding up. Obviously, scored at the weekend, but it was a it was a foolish yellow card against Tottenham. It was a petulant yellow card, and maybe, maybe in seasons gone by, it doesn't get given as a yellow card. It's one of the new rules. He you know kicks it away, but that was silly. Rodri again, you know. The way City play, he has to accumulate yellow cards. Obviously, this is the second time he's been out suspended this season, so that's another worry. Um, Doku, electric, tantalising, scintillating footballer. However, his injury record is left to be desired. So it is sort of make do and mend, I guess. Um, and that's not a sort of me playing the silent violin. City have plenty of players who can who can step up and, and move into those positions. Um, it'll take a little bit of tweaking, but at the same time, you're looking at what, two three if you you start in plays there so it's it's an issue um and and i expect um aston villa to exploit that yes um the thought of coming up against an angry erling Haaland sort of puts fear into me just i i don't normally do this but i'm gonna go down this route because i genuinely think it was one of the worst decisions in pre- the premier league this season it has to be the worst if mm-hmm. not the the liverpool spurs game so Talk to me about your feelings. Talk to me about the referee and your your thoughts on it. Um, my head, I don't think my head has reattached itself since Sunday afternoon at about, <laughs> what would it have been, 6 o'clock, 6.30pm. Um, yeah, it, it, the thing is, and I agree, it's one of the worst. In fact, it's for me, in terms of being live in a stadium and seeing it, it's the worst decision I've ever seen. And, and obviously, I would say there have been maybe worse decisions this season. The Luis Diaz offside goal, well, not offside goal, is, is probably top and, and will, will never be beaten. However... That was that was just a mess up in terms of VAR, and that was just clearly, you know, a sort of probably once in a lifetime decision. We're unlikely to see that happen again. Whereas this, there was uh, the 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 blowing up when Grealish is thrown goal. There's, there's there's no subjectivity to it at all. You know, there's even for the most sort of ardent penalty decisions where you're 99% sure that's a penalty. A player could pick it up, a defender could pick it up in the box, and and you could say, you know, that is 100% a penalty. There's still some subjectivity to it. This was just wrong. This was simply just wrong. It was a terrible, terrible decision. And, and yeah, Jack Grealish might not have scored. He might have been tackled. He might have been, he might have had a shot. He might have been saved, whatever. We don't know. And and it's that sort of not knowing which is um which has caused a lot of frustration, yeah. And and um Simon Hooper obviously um gets to he doesn't get stood down, so there's no consequence there, which I think has sort of doubly angered some people. So yeah. <laughs> it it didn't it didn't take away from City's poor performance or poor aspects of the performance. But I think when you you leave in a stadium having been denied a, a goal scoring opportunity in the ninety third minute because the referee's blown up to give you a free kick, um, let alone give the decision the opposite ways. Yeah. Can you tell it, it it got to me a little bit. It's been <laughs> I just about got over it as well and now I'm, now I'm going back to it. PTSD. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it's lucky we're an audio only podcast because I think if people were watching, they'd be able to see the steam coming out of your ears. So Absolutely. I'm going to swiftly move on for your sake. Thoughts on City season so far? We're nearly at the halfway point now, getting into December, getting into that crunch time for fixtures. You know, it seems like there's a game every other day now for Villa, probably the same with City alike. So, so far, how how would you rate your season? Um, Good question. Um, I think it'd be remiss of me to come on here and say City have had a bad season because, like you say, still in third, top the Champions League group. Um. Obviously, did get knocked out of the Carabao Cup, so maybe that's a, a, a sort of a, a mark against City season so far. But at the same time, I think most people, most clubs would would bite the hands off for where City are at this point. Potentially, even Liverpool and Arsenal, who are ahead of City, given the sort of the resources, the resources City have. It's not been it's not been a great season. Um, the start of the campaign, I aired my worries about City having a treble hangover because I think City started the season really strongly and, and people going, oh, you know, are they going to be the next Invincibles? Are they going to go and do the quadruple? And I was like, well, no, actually, if you think about it, the Champions League final was on June 10th. The season started, I think it was sort of um, early August, obviously, you know, Community Shield as well. So you're talking about a month and a half basically off that and they were still sort of playing off that you could see the system was the same the performances were up to that sort of standard gradually though as the season has gone on teams have obviously strengthened themselves um injuries every team has them but it still it still plays a part so City have had to sort of get around that in a way and it, it's led to this what what I would describe and, and describe before as a sort of very chaotic um, style of football where City, as opposed to last season, were relying on, not not so much relying, but um, confident that their defence would see the game out. City go 1-0 up or 2-1 up, then, you know, that's game over. Whereas this season, it feels like City have to score four goals to get a win. And even sometimes, as we saw against Chelsea, that isn't enough. So um, still figuring things out. But as Guardiola mentions all the time at this time of year, every single season, it's just about being there for the second half of the campaign. It doesn't matter if you're four points, five points, even six points behind the league leaders. That's that's two matches. That's a week, you know, with one of these double game weeks. That's that's just two games either side and and it and it's uh, it's flipped on its head. So I'd say it's been um good, but room for improvement. Um a little bit like my school reports back in the day. <laughs> oh, don't bring them back up. It's time to give me PTSD now. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> now Correct me if I'm wrong, you obviously know City a lot better and a lot more detailed than I could ever. City give me the feeling as a neutral as they tend to get all their business done in the summer and then don't want to spend that much in January. They want to have their squad for the season and they have trust that it will work out in the long term. However, for me, something feels different this year. I mean, you could say maybe down to injuries, but also it feels like you might need one or two to really cement your place at the top is that the same feeling for City fans yeah I totally agree I completely agree and, and I think City have parroted the line for a number of years coming out of the club that if you're doing business in January at least if you're a top club aiming for the title if you're doing business in January you there were mistakes made down the line in the summer and I think that's fair enough um, obviously it's not the case for, for all clubs some teams need to go into the market in January because like say injuries or they get players poached or whatever but it does feel like this season for City, and there are already reports that that there'll be money to spend in January, and that's that's really strange from a City perspective because it's been 
well, for the entirety of uh, Guardiola's time here, I think I can remember two major transfers that have happened in January in terms of like first team players being brought in to the fold. So that is that is worrying. However, I think again, and and I, you, you know you picked it up at the start, mentioning the treble, but it has been this sort of this really impactful event for City, not only in terms of the success, but what it meant for the squad because immediately after that, Ilkay Gundogan was out the door, Riyad Mahrez was out the door for different reasons, Cole Palmer was out the door, James McAtee's on loan at Sheffield United, and they're four players, I think if you'd have asked anybody in sort of May, June last year do you think they'll have a, a place to play in the first team this season I think most people would have said yes to all four. So that's obviously had an impact. And I think for the likes of Gundogan and Mares, winning that sort of achieving that then allowed them to go, yeah, you know what? I'm happy to move away from City, even if I still have more to give at this level. So I do think it has been a little bit different. It hasn't been as um, controlled in the transfer market. Mateus Nunes, Kovacic came in as midfield replacements. Both of them have struggled with injuries. They've not really implemented themselves yet it's still been the same sort of Rodri Bernardo Silva and obviously Julian Alvarez has dropped into midfield at times as well so I do think City will will test the water however if you asked me now who I think City needs to sign or even what position I think City needs to sign I wouldn't be able to tell you because you look at the squad and you go there's no there's no real gaps there I think it's probably just the case of bodies. And and that's that's strange to say because City have obviously always had a um a deep enough squad, not as deep as some people imagine. You know, it's not it's not Chelsea levels of six, seven players in each position. However, at the same time, you know, there's quality across the board. That seems to have, like you said, it seems to have um it seems to have been different this year, which is is a worry, you know. Um it certainly is a worry. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth in terms of the next question. Um what is there a specific position that you think you're you're crying out for? Are there are there any names that have been linked that you would personally go for, or maybe not go for? Is there anyone that hasn't been linked that you you yourself are looking at? Uh, there's a there's a Brazilian player in the West Midlands. Um, I think his his name is Douglas Luiz. And, I think he'd, oh, I think now, he'd make a great fit. Yeah, <laughs> Um, but no, seriously, joking aside, obviously, I know the stories are, are mainly circulating around Arsenal and, and Villa would demand, a, a, rightly so, demand a big fee, um, probably upwards of 60 million, probably closer to 80 million. But I'm, I'm going to looking at players. I, <laughs> on behalf of all Villa fans who are probably screaming at their phone right now, the 60 million figure doesn't even touch his laces, to be honest. <laughs> I, no, I totally agree. I know there's a I lot totally of uh, bias that can come into this, but I I mean, I was speaking to people about this off the podcast and I genuinely would demand at least double that, to be honest. I and totally agree. With, you know, with the fees that Caicedo is going and, you know, Enzo Fernando, I mean, Chelsea have set a ridiculous precedent, so maybe they're not the mm-hmm. best ones to follow, but... In, t- in terms of ability, he is probably the best footballer I have seen play for Villa. I mean, I haven't been going that many years, probably 10. So, you know, the standard has been really on the floor, to be honest. The bar is low at this point. But in terms of ability, I, I Douglas is our glue. And I think losing him, especially in January, I I probably wouldn't be happy if it was below the 100 million mark. And that probably still might not touch it and the club have come out and said that something similar so yeah sorry to butt in but carry on no 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 absolutely i totally agree and i think if we're going off um 
market value or market imposters to Villa, you are talking upwards of 100 million. I, I, you know, I'm only quoting the, the stories which suggest, and this is Arsenal obviously trying to scrimp and save a little bit, that they, they'd be putting forward 60 million bid. Personally, I'd expect that to get laughed out of the room. Um, I would not be surprised personally if you know an 85 million and 90 million pound bid came in and, and Villa were tempted because that's that's a lot of money. You know, you look at how well. Villa have invested the Jack Grealish money and it's sort of arguably led to this situation where Aston Villa can not only tempt Unai Emery to come to the club but have a span and have a squad which is sort of European level and we'll get to European football later on because last time I was on here I did say that Villa would qualify for Europe and maybe I'll start mentioning the Champions League who knows but you know it would be a massive blow however to go back to the original point a midfielder who can take the load off Rodri I think is if we're talking importance, if we're talking um, sort of priorities in the market, that's probably where I'm looking at. The issue is, and this has been the issue with Carlton Phillips, it'll be the issue for whoever comes in next. When fit, Rodri's going to play every game he can because he's that important. Even if it's a Champions League group game against a team where City probably expected to win and, and could field an 18-year-old and still get the job done, he's that important. Whoever comes in to back him up probably isn't getting a lot of minutes. And that's the sort of the issue City face and, and sort of in the transfer market at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. It feels almost like the impossible job, a bit like when Sir Alex left. It felt like whoever's going to replace mm. just isn't going to be up to the standard and therefore makes them look worse. So I, I completely get what you mean. Um, let's move our thoughts over to the title race, obviously something that you are fully accustomed to by this point. Um Sitting third, as I said, Liverpool and Arsenal above you. Still a long, long way to go in the season. Do you think that you will be up? Well, obviously you're going to be up there. Do you think that you'll be up there solely? Do you? Can you see it going down to the wire? Can you see it being close? Um, yes, I think at the start of the season, I, I sort of kind of mentioned it before, a lot of people would tip in. And even players were coming out and saying that this year we want one of them tightest races where we run away with it. We have it done six games before the end of the season, etc., etc., etc. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I don't I don't know who will finish top. Um, I'd still put City favourites because it seems to be this time of year, everyone's speaking about how City have been figured out and how City, are, you know, the, their era is coming to an end. Arsenal are going to do it. Liverpool are going to do it. And then you obviously get into the, the spring and the summer months and it, it gets flipped on its head. But there is, you know, Arsenal do look more mature um, this season. They don't look as sort of haphazard emotionally as they have done in, in previous seasons. Liverpool look back to a part where they, I wouldn't say they look back to the best, but they're certainly functioning, um, which wasn't always the case last season. Dare I say Aston Villa in that conversation as well? Um, and obviously Tottenham Hotspur. Do the, the... That? I don't think that can <laughs> I know. How crazy is that, by the way? Yeah. But uh, absolute testament to Unai Emery. Um, I got asked this question actually a couple of weeks ago about Aston Villa in the title race. And, and you know, I don't want to break hearts, but I, I think, you know, that would probably be um, from a different realm of possibility, just because it, it requires experience that this, this team, this Aston Villa team certainly doesn't have. Same with Tottenham, same with Newcastle. But... I do think it's a little bit more open. The point I'm getting at is it's certainly more open this season. And I'm looking at the table now from sixth all the way up to first. We're separated by seven points. Going back to what I said before, that's a week. You know, Newcastle could find themselves up in the top two or three with a couple of results. City could find themselves down in six with a couple of results. So it is, it is certainly tighter. And that's probably 
indicative of the the quality and the money flowing around uh, flowing around at the top of the Premier League. You know, Chelsea down in tenth. Money doesn't money doesn't solve all the problems, but um, it certainly isn't working for Chelsea. And I think you know we're seeing we're in the era I think in the Premier League of of good coaches because every club has money, every club can spend millions on players. It's how you get the best out of those players at the disposal, and and that's why you know United and Chelsea are suffering, and the teams who are towards the top of the Premier League have have the best managers in the division. So, um, yeah, title race is 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 like you say too early to call. Um, I think it'd be remiss of me not to say City to win it, but that's just based on experience. So something has to come to an end at one point. Is it this season? I don't know. That's what I say. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I think you've you've summed it up really well there. Before we switch our focus onto Villa, I'm just going to talk to you about, obviously, the treble. You've mentioned it a few times. And I don't blame you. I would still be... I probably still wouldn't have come home by then uh, <laughs> if it was me. Now, winning the treble is something every fan can only ever dream of. Um, that is the pinnacle. That is the peak. Once you've reached that, you know, you've you've essentially seen it all. Um, just talk to me on a personal level, how that felt, how the day felt of, of all three finals and what it meant to you being a City fan and your family and all your close friends. Yeah, yeah, it, it was wonderful, and and I'll take you back actually to the, the last time I was on this show, um, and it was obviously like you say just after the charges has been dropped, but we we got beat by Tottenham away um, on the Sunday, and City's next game was Aston Villa at home, obviously, hence why I was on the show. So um, we were we were sort of talking about it and we speak about City season, and it was kind of doom and gloom. It was like oh, dear me, you know, just been beaten by Tottenham. It looks like Arsenal are going to win the league. City now have this to deal with, blah blah. But I think most City supporters would remember or will remember that Aston Villa game as a turning point because the the build-up to it had obviously been Guardiola speaking about his time at the club. Um, he's still going to be here. You know, when, when, when all of this goes on, you know, he's going to fight fight for the club. He's going to do this and that. And it created this real siege mentality amongst the players and, and amongst the supporters and that atmosphere. I, I said after the game, actually, it felt like a cup final cup final atmosphere itself and obviously at the end of the 90 minutes there's only three points to show for it there's not a trophy but it did almost set City up for what what happened next because um, it was just it was just this sort of incredible run of 
dominating matches from, well, February onwards. I think the only games City actually lost were games when the, the Premier League title was wrapped up. So to get to, to that point at the end of the season where the league title in the end was, was won at somewhat of a canter with a few games to spare, which I don't think many people expected, to then play Manchester United in an FA Cup final um, was firstly the most horrific, nerve-wracking, horrendous experience ever. Yes, exactly. Until Gundogan obviously scores his goals, um, and then at full time, you know, it's the most wonderful, it's the most incredible experience ever. And then, obviously, off to Istanbul for for the the crowning glory of it all. And and I don't and and like I say, it's never going to get topped to nothing. Even if City won the treble this season, it's not going to top that because of the way it happened. The, the opponent City played, beating Real Madrid, beating Bayern Munich, obviously Inter Milan, a uh, storied greats of European football, United in the FA Cup final, um, Haaland scoring the goals. You know, everything was perfect. Um, and in football, you don't you don't always get these perfect stories. So it was it was the most incredible most sort of touching emotional few weeks few months I've had as a a supporter and I can only sort of I can only wish every football fan gets to experience it once obviously that's unlikely to happen but it just you can't you can't really put into words exactly what it was like and yeah absolutely wonderful I I think you've summed that up really well and you know, it's, it's sort of giving me goosebumps and I'm, you know, have no affiliation to City at all. <laughs> now, let's, as I said, let's move the focus over to Villa. And normally my next two questions are thoughts on Umana Emery and thoughts on Aston Villa. But it seems now that you can't really mention one without obviously mentioning the other. So I'm going to merge those into two and thoughts on thoughts on the job that Emery has done at Villa and us as a whole. Um, truly phenomenal, absolutely wonderful. Um, I, I, <laughs> I didn't like Steven Gerrard as a manager. I think I, I, I've, I don't enjoy this sort of trend of one uh, great players from England's sort of last 15, 20 years. Frank Lampard's in there as well, perhaps Wayne Rooney, um, getting jobs. Just getting jobs because of yeah that that will that will be a good one for the Villa fans obviously Birmingham connection, um but just getting jobs based off the names I felt like Stephen Gerrard did a, a a good a decent job at Rangers um but it felt like he jumped ship a little bit too early and and there's obviously talk of him using Aston Villa as a stepping stone over to get the Liverpool job and I think if anybody any manager is treating a job like that you're going to cause yourself problems because yes you have ambitions and whatnot but why couldn't Aston Villa have been his not maybe not forever job, but you know, why couldn't he have taken Aston Villa to the heights that Emery is? And and that's sort of, just always gripes me a little bit. I always felt there was untapped potential there. Emery comes in, um, obviously around well, just after sort of a year ago, um, and everything since has been has been absolutely incredible. It, it, a wonderful journey that he's been on, and I think it, it, it's telling that a lot of his players, and I think Dean Smith did an interview this week about it, the spine of the team has been there since sort of the first Premier League season, even going back to the Championship. And I think it just goes to show, like I said before, the quality of coaching, because you're not in the Premier League as a bad footballer. Most most players, while there is differences, you know, some players are better than the other. You don't make it to the Premier League if you are bad at football. You, you, there's obviously quality there. And it is about who has that coach who can get the best out of them. And just look at Ollie Watkins. He's, he's a player who I think most people tipped for sort of, 
maybe not greatness, but goodness, the tier below that, for want of a better term. But he is into that. He's into that elite bracket in in the Premier League strikers. Um, maybe benefited by Ivan Tony's suspension. I don't know, but he for me, he's, he's a lock for the England team um, for the Euros in the summer. I think he's comfortably the second best striker um, behind Harry Kane, and it's just a shame Harry Kane is sort of so godlike in that in that sphere that he isn't getting more opportunities because I think he'd be I think he'd be a great addition. Um, potentially they could play together. I don't know, but obviously Southgate isn't sort of a man manager who, who does that sort of thing. But yeah, it, it's been wonderful. It's been it's been brilliant to watch. Um such exciting football and Villa are reaping the rewards. So absolutely fair play. I mean, I think uh, it was it Carago or Neville, someone like that said that uh, Emery's the third best manager in the league at the moment. I, I totally agree. Um Guardiola, possibly Klopp Emery in terms of the results to get in. That that'd be my top three for sure. Yeah, again, I'm I'm finding myself agreeing with you. Uh, you mentioned Douglas Luiz obviously earlier on, um, and the spine of our team, and then Watkins. There are there are there any threats that you think could cause City problems for whatever reason on Wednesday? Who are you most worried? Uh, the probably Villa Park because I'm expecting it to be febrile, and City have. Like I said, uh, obviously we're, we're three games without a victory, and that I'm not quite sure we've ever done four Premier League matches without a victory under Guardiola. I know this is the longest winless streak since 2016-17, which was his first season. So, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a kind of pessimistic person when it comes to results. I could pick City having a defeat against Kidderminster Harriers or you know anybody. Um, but I've kind of already marked this down as as a not win. Just and, and I did this at the start sort of when Villa were on this this run at the start of the season. Looked at this fi- fixture going DME Villa Park away from home is is a really difficult game. Obviously now it comes in the context of City having not won for the last few weeks and that could cause its own problems because don't win on Wednesday and then it's four matches without a victory. Then it's away to Ken- uh, away to Luton Town at Kenilworth Road, which can cause its own sort of problems as Liverpool found out themselves. I think the the pace of the game, if it's if the, if the intensity is high and the pace of the game is high, then it will certainly suit Aston Villa just because of that home atmosphere, because of City's defensive frailties. If City gonna get a result, I think they have to nullify that. And I think I go back to um, this time two years ago. I think City played Villa. Um, I think, in fact, it might have been the same week. Um, and Bernardo Silva scored this wonderful goal. And, and City sort of it's a similar sort of fixture, a similar sort of game. Um, and City just just completely nullified it. And, and it turned out to be a semi-comfortable victory. If City are going to do that, they've, they've got to find that sort of that that ability they had at the back end of last season to just really control the fixture instead of letting it turn into this crazy chaotic basketball-esque match because I think if we get to that the likes of DRB, um, Ollie Watkins, even you know John McGinn, he's popping up with goals. Um, I think yeah, it, it could turn into him. It, it could get quite messy quite quickly for City if it turns into that sort of game. You mentioned obviously, um, you know that that basketball-esque and, you know, the players that City have out could be in crucial. What would be your starting eleven? Just run us through who you think could play where. Yeah, so, okay, this has been this has been an interesting one. Um, I think Edison, obviously, is, is going to be a goalkeeper. Um, Kyle Walker, Ruben Diaz, Akanji are probably um, locks for the defence. I'd go Nathan Ake on the left-hand side of that back line um, just for a, a bit more solidity. His 1v1 defending is probably 
a lot stronger than Guardiola, as good as Guardiola is on the ball. Um, no, Rodri, obviously. So you're, you're then looking at a sort of trying to solve a problem. This talk of perhaps John Stones playing in there as a lone sixth, as opposed to the player stepping into midfield. So that's potentially one. If it's not going to be him, I think maybe Kovacic, Rico Lewis could provide a sort of enough stability in that in that sort of pivot area of the pitch. However, that was the case against Arsenal and Kovacic looked sort of, it didn't really suit him. He's not that sort of player. He's a, he's a midfielder who who excels a little bit higher up. So so possibly him, although Mateus Nunes is coming back. So maybe it could be Kovacic, Nunes, I don't know. Um, Bernardo Silva as well. He can play a bit deeper. So while City have players, it's about finding how they go into the team and it is causing a few problems. Um, higher up the pitch, Erling Haaland, obviously he'll play fit. Phil Foden, he's in scintillating form. He'll he'll retain his position. After that, you're probably looking at um, maybe Julian Alvarez, although he has struggled in the last couple of weeks. He, he's just playing far too much football. I don't think he's missed a game for City so far. And that's kind of been to his detriment. So... That's not a full. That's not a full eleven like you asked for because it is really difficult and it will only be on what seven o'clock come Wednesday evening. We really get an idea, but those those players sort of looped together is some kind of eleven. I reckon will probably be what we say. Well, it's, it's not a bad squad to have, is it? Not um, at all. Not at all. Now these are my last two questions for you, and these are personally my favourite two because people always struggle with them. And the first one being, if you woke up. On Wednesday morning, and you had suddenly found yourself, you are now Unai Emery. Knowing what you know about City and the knowledge you have about all their games, how would you set that Villa team up to best exploit City's weaknesses? I think the biggest weakness City have um, so far this season is 1v1 positions, isolating City's defenders in 1v1 situations. And if you're going to look through the league as to which players you're going to want to have to do that, perhaps maybe barring the likes of Saka, Martinelli, Mohamed Salah, um, that's possibly it. And then you get into Aston Villa's attack because in terms of 1v1 situations, Aston Villa have a, have the players across the front line who can who can tear any defence to shreds. And I think um, Tottenham Hotspur found that out quite, you know, on a number of occasions uh, a couple of weeks ago. Other teams have found it out already this season. So I think as long as you can, I mean, you're going to surrender possession against City. That's sort of a non-negotiable. That, that often happens by the odd occasion where things are, you know, a bit messed up. So you're not going to really have the ball. So when you do have the ball, you have to make sure you use it. And I think it is those wide areas where Kyle Walker is kind of struggling a little bit whilst also still being sort of solid and can have a good game, can have a bad game. And then on the opposite side, obviously, there's going to be space. Nathan Ake is is a wonderful, a talented football. And if it's Gavardio, the same applies. But you, you get a defender 1v1, it's always advantage the attacker. And I think that's probably where Aston Villa will look to exploit um, City on Wednesday night. Now, time for the impossible question. Score prediction? Do you know what? Um, part of me part of me wants to say City are going to have this sort of season-defining, big, gutsy victory at Villa Park. But like I said, I just, I just can't, I can't see it happening. Um, just the way City have been, just the way that the last few games have been. I think if maybe this was in a week or two's time, then then yeah, sure. But the the suspensions, the injuries, the sort of the the the, the kind of bad vibes. I, I don't want to sort of come across as you know a little spoiled brat because City's still flying high and things are still 
better than most clubs. But it is a bit, you know, there are a few questions around City at the moment. Yes, City can win. I, I, I think the, the, the result I see happening most is a score draw. If Aston Villa win, I'm not going to be shocked. If City win, I'm not going to be shocked. But I can just see another another 2-2, maybe even a 3-3. God help me, a 4-4, because I think there's been enough of them over the last few weeks. So, yeah, score draw, I think, is probably probably where we'll get to. Can I just shake your hand on a score draw and then we don't have to play the match? Just both get the well, yeah, yeah, that, that'd be yeah. easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> right, final question, and it's been a long, long time since this happened. Uh, I don't know whether you remember last time you came on and you had the whole brew scandal probably the most emails we've ever had regarding a podcast um with your with your answer it, it shocked a lot of people so um hopefully this one is not as controversial and the question for you today is if you were in i'm a celeb this year what would you do to pass the time in the jungle what would i do what would i do i'd probably first thing that comes to mind is try and improve some form of fitness sit up press up stuff like that because i think you know you're not going to be able to go on runs um which is my usual form of exercise so maybe sort of build some upper body strength see if there's a tree you can do some pull-ups and they usually stick in some sort of fitness influence as well so they'd probably be doing some sessions so yeah i'd go go in looking you know uh as i do now um just before christmas and then come out looking nice and nice and uh built and um yeah maybe ready for a premier league game myself (laughs) i'm going to add another question in there just because i'm curious what um what critter would you be worst with oh um uh, it's not a fair but snakes do sort of they're they're just a very bizarre creature (laughs) because i think the the little you know granted the the little crawlies are you know a little they're not, they're not, I wouldn't necessarily choose to go into a tank with them, but you know, they, they are kind of small. But you see one of those big pythons, you know, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, not, not for me, not for me. That's scaly as well, that horrible. Oh, well, there, there you go, Anton Deck. If you're listening, if you ever want to get <laughs> yeah. into the jungle, there's, there's your roots. Um, and your non football related question to be passed down to the next episode, absolutely. So, um, I love to spend a lot of my time traveling. So I'm going to actually ask somebody on the next episode if they were to if they were to build the ideal city break and you know you said non-football related but I'll always chuck in a football game if possible um for 2024. Don't matter the season, can be winter, can be summer. Um where would they pick and why? Oh, there you go. It's almost like you came prepared, eh, once. <laughs> yeah. um, well, thank you very much for coming on. I am going to give you, we only have two and a half minutes left of this Zoom recording, so I'm going to do something I've never done before, and I'm going to give you a minute, 30 seconds, however long you take. The floor is yours. Promote your channels, promote your socials. The floor is all yours. Oh, wonderful stuff. Um, okay, so City Report Podcast is where I'm found, sort of, obviously going on about city most of the time um twitter amos murphy underscore that's across all social media as well instagram tiktok some sort of non-city related football videos over on tiktok and instagram as well so yeah all the love um thank you very much it's been a pleasure as always there you go thanks for coming on it has been a pleasure i really enjoy these ones um and hopefully speak to you later on in the season thank you all for listening
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.